Welcome back to the Meal Mentor Co-Pilot Podcast, brought to you by GetMealPlans.com. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon, and I'm breaking a bit of our break by having Dr. Greger on the podcast today. I'm so excited to have Dr. Greger, and he's actually answering all of the questions you guys submitted Super fun, but before we can get to all that, I have two big announcements. The first announcement is that we are having one of our annual sales, which is a big deal. You guys know they only come a few times a year, but we're having an annual membership sale the Wednesday after Labor Day, which is September 7th, and it's one day only, so you definitely don't want to miss the sale. Make sure to pop over to GetMealPlans.com and download your free seven-day meal plan because that will get you on the newsletter to make sure you're aware the sale is coming up, and if you're already a member, of course, you'll be able to take advantage and upgrade and all that fun stuff. If you have questions, send us into support. But if you've been thinking about joining this Meal Mentor community, this is definitely the time to do it. Number two, this podcast will officially be on break for the rest of 2016 after this episode. We'll be back rocking another Meal Mentor co-pilot. Whole season three is coming in 2017, and I can't wait. If you're enjoying this podcast, if you've enjoyed it all of 2016, please leave a comment and a review on iTunes. And other than that, Let's get to it. Again, don't forget about the big sale Wednesday, September 7th on GetMealPlans.com. Hey there, and welcome back to the Meal Mentor Co-Pilot Podcast brought to you by GetMealPlans.com. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon, and with me today is Dr. Michael Greger, who I'm sure you know from his wonderful research website, NutritionFacts.org, and his new book, How Not to Die, which we're going to talk about. So let me jump right in and say, hey, Dr. Greger. Hello, it's so good to be here. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. You are doing the most important work out there, which is what your website is all about. Tons of amazing videos, giving all the information, breaking down all these mainstream myths. So I'm such in awe of all of the work you do and all of your team. It's just, it's incredible. We are excited to do it. Um, uh, yeah, NutritionFacts.org is a free nonprofit science-based public service. Daily updates on the latest nutrition research via bite-sized videos. More than a thousand videos, nearly every aspect of healthy eating, with new videos and articles uploaded every day. Every day. <laughs> I know. Every I don't day. know how you do it, and you travel full time. You're amazing. You're so amazing. But anyway, <laughs> let's talk about your book because everyone can check out the website. But the book is awesome and it covers everything. It's every kind of disease that you might be at risk for or someone in your family. If you are worried about any kind of health condition, Dr. Gugger really breaks it down in the book and I love it. But the thing that I really loved, other than your confession of liking strawberry frosted donuts, because I thought I was the only one who liked those. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I fist pumped the book when I read that. But I, <laughs> I loved your grandmother's story. I mean, Aww. the information was amazing, but I was tearing up and I was wondering if you could kind of give us a little recap of it for people who haven't yet read your book but will because it's just so touching to hear how you didn't come from a place of sickness like I was inspired to change my diet because I had a health crisis but that's not your story mm -hmm. right right I have kind of the opposite story mm -hmm. of how I got into all this yeah I was just a kid uh, really when my uh, the doctor sent my grandma home in a wheelchair to die she was uh, diagnosed with end-stage heart disease she already had so many bypass operations, she basically run out of plumbing at some point. Confined a wheelchair, crushing chest pain. Doctor said nothing more they can do. Her life was over at age 65. 65. Uh, but then 65. Um, but 
then she was watching 60 Minutes and heard about this guy, Nathan Pritikin, early lifestyle medicine pioneer, became one of his early success stories. She's actually even featured in Pritikin's biography. Talks about Francis Greger, my grandma. It was a living program. Everyone's placed on a plant-based diet, started on a kind of a graded exercise regimen. They wheeled her in, and she walked out. Within a few weeks, she was walking 10 miles a day, went on to live another 31 years oh my until God. age 96. Uh, to continue to enjoy her six grandkids. So, uh, you know, her miraculous recovery from end-stage heart disease not only inspired one of those grandkids to pursue a career in medicine, but uh, granted her enough healthy years to see him graduate from medical school. So it's really all thanks to her. Um, Of course, once I got to medical school, I realized that this whole body of evidence on reversing chronic disease with lifestyle changes, opening up arteries without drugs, without surgery, was largely ignored by mainstream medicine. So I said, what do you say? If the cure to our number one killer could get lost down some rabbit hole and ignored, what else might there be buried in the medical literature that could help my patients? Well, I made it my life's mission to find out, and that's why I uh, led me to, uh, to start nutritionfacts.org, and that's what led me to write the book, nutritionfacts.org. I, I mean, how not to die. <laughs> <laughs> I know I was about to be like, does he have another book he didn't tell me about? <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm actually, I know, it's uh, so exciting. You have a cookbook coming out, which is going to be cookbook amazing. Cookbook coming out. We're actually thinking of doing a children's book, too. <gasps> oh, that would be so good. And then my next major project is uh, a, a book on weight control called How Not to Diet. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So one of the things, kind of on that note, actually, it's a perfect segue, you're reading my mind, is in your book, you had this stoplight example for how to choose food. Because that's one thing that everyone struggles with is they're like, oh, what, this said to eat this? No, don't eat that. No, oh, there was this news story. And, you know, your website really does break it down and actually, you know, investigates some of these news stories like, oh, is soy bad or, you know, is there pro- protein or coconut oil or whatever? All, your website covers all that. So if you have a question, he, I promise you he's got the science for you. But I loved your stoplight example, and it really sort of echoes what I talk about on this podcast all the time, which my personal mantra is progress, not perfection, because utopia doesn't exist. And that's what you say. You're like, well, compared to what? You can't say either or. It's really about what it's in comparison to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no. And we can all, we all, you know, there's a continuum of healthy eating. We can all strive to eat healthier. I mean, when I'm stuck on the road, you know, I'm lucky if I can, uh, you know, scrounge up some Starbucks oatmeal or something, Mm -hmm. but it's not easy. You know, I mean, we're still living in a society that's, you know, thriving, not so thriving on uh, junk food. And so, like, yeah, no, no. So we can all uh, move towards eating healthier. We can all uh, make steps every day. But uh, what I tried to, you know, uh, emphasize in the book is that there's tremendous health benefits all along the way. So it's not black or white. It's not all or nothing. We can get significant health benefits accrue with uh, even relatively minor changes in our diet. Of course, we should try to get all the you know health benefits we can by eating as healthy as we possibly can within our circumstances. But that's very important to realize that um, uh, the, the standard American diet is so bad that little tweaks to it can have significant health benefits. 
Absolutely. And I've seen that with people who just make one simple change. Like the first baby step might be, okay, we're going to use whole wheat pasta instead of white pasta. And something as small as that, just switching out their pasta, like you said, it has health benefits and often they actually feel a little bit better. Yeah. Or, you know, getting rid of soda or, I mean, there's little things people can do. Um, uh, and so, yeah, no, that's why, one of the reasons why I've so I've uh, been so enamored with your work over the years and uh, and is, uh, you know, one of the resources that I offer um, uh, to my patients, really try to encourage them down this path. And it's the, um, beyond all the amazing, you know, uh, information you have, it's this attitude. It's this, you know, this kind, compassionate attitude. What a concept. Compassion within the <laughs> plant-based movement. I mean, that's that's what really kind of drew me to your work and Absolutely, totally agree. I mean, the, anything we can do to help people make any kind of progress in the direction towards eating healthier will, uh, you know, be doing good things for the world. I appreciate the kind words. And it's one thing that I have noticed, too, not just with, with your work, but a lot of people, it's so kind of not aggressive, but and I don't even know if ag- abrasive is the right word, but they seem to like forget that kind component and being kind to themselves because it is a process mm. and you can't, you know, you're not going to run a marathon the day you decide to, you've got to train for, you. you've got to, you know, make a lot of steps there. And, you know, people beat themselves up mm-hmm. and, you know, so when they feel they aren't perfect, then, you know, the next day they're just back to their old really crappy mm-hmm. ways. And it's just, well, I mean, well, I mean, so if you live in this kind of, you know, this, this binary world of perfect or nothing, well, then obviously, I mean, that's just not sustainable, right? When I mean, we need to figure ways to incorporate healthy food into our diet for the long run. That's the only way it's going to benefit. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why diets don't work by definition. You go on diets and you go off diets. No, no, we need a lifestyle change. And so that means whatever time it takes, right? We're talking decades, right? This is, we're going to be this for the next half century. So we need to take whatever steps slow as uh, whatever step to make sure it's convenient, to make sure it's easy, to make sure it's delicious, to make sure, you know, and, and, and so even if it takes us a year, it takes us years to really um, work on it, it'll be worth it for our long-term health. And the people that just kind of switch overnight um, uh, and are just kind of scrambling to try to eat healthy in this world that's, you know, kind of conspiring against them, often those are the ones that I find are often, often slipping back to some of their old habits because they just really haven't put, you know, the work into figuring out how it's going to work for them within their own lives and their own kind of social situation. Right. And that's why I like that whole marathon metaphor so much is because it's that's what happens with people who try to overhaul their diet overnight or go on a quote diet. They try to run the whole 26 miles the next day. And that's like ludicrous. Of course, you can't do it. It's too hard. It's too overwhelming. Take those steps, each step, maintainable step towards the goal. And I know with you, you know, you've been plant based a really long time. I've been plant based for 10 years, which a lot of people would consider that a long time. But when you look at where I am with, you know, my journey or you are with your journey, we've been at this a really long time. But when we first started, it didn't look like what it looks like right now. Absolutely. It's just going to get easier for mm-hmm. people, right? I mean, as there's more options, as things just taste better, as there's more kind of, you know, as more people do it, then it'll just get easier in social situations and holidays and family gatherings and all that stuff. You know, a lot of the things that really kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of conspire against us when we make these kind of changes. And so, look, 
you know, uh, before, um, you know, uh, you know, now it's kind of like, you know, smoking right now, Mm -hmm. you know, smokers are like huddled outside in the rain. Right. And it's just because it's socially unacceptable, you know, to smoke around other people. And so it's just so much easier to do the right thing. And so similarly, the more healthy, the more good restaurants are out there, the more good, you know, options, healthy options there are for people, you know, the easier. Then it's just going to be, you know, uh, you know, when the default is eating healthy, when you really got to work on, you know, looking for crap, then, you know, (laughs) right. uh, (laughs) But that's so true. People, you what you know, what's put in front of them, kind of. And we just need to make it convenient. We just uh, need to, uh, yeah, support people in this because it's. The, I mean, it's so critical. It's the most important thing. I mean, the, but the good news is, we have tremendous power over our health, destiny, and longevity. The vast majority of premature death and disability is preventable with a plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle behaviors. Absolutely. And that's why I tried to, when my parents, you know, they switched much later in life. They were in their late 60s. They're actually older than your grandmother was when she was sent home to die. Yeah. I cannot believe that, 65. But they were in their late 60s, and my dad had had a heart attack, and they felt like mm. victims. Like, well, why bother? Why try? And I said, well, did you ever consider it was all these small, moderate changes you've been making? They joined the YMCA a few months prior, et cetera, that it was a mild heart attack and not a fatal one. And they had never even considered that, like, oh my gosh, the power is it within my control to not have this happen again? Right. I mean, people underestimate the power of uh, kind of diet and lifestyle changes, and they actually over wildly overestimate the power of pills and procedures to keep them healthy. For example, people believe cholesterol-lowering statin drugs are about 20 times more effective than they actually are in preventing heart attacks. So, you know, no wonder people continue to rely on drugs to save them. But, you know, our leading killers aren't drug deficiencies. And mm-hmm. Kind of the dirty little secret is that you know, most people surveyed said they would not be willing to take many of these drugs, like high blood pressure drugs, cholesterol drugs, if they knew how little benefit they actually offered. Whereas treating the actual cause by cleaning up our diet is not only safer and cheaper, but can be more effective in preventing, arresting, or reversing our leading cause of death. And the side effects are just more good health. There's just more good health. That was one thing that really shocked me in your book was, and I'd heard that um, statins just allow people to die with like good numbers. That's what Dr. Esselstyn had told me once. He's like, well, the people, <laughs> they just die with better numbers now because it doesn't actually, if you look at the science, there's it doesn't actually decrease the heart attacks or strokes or episodes or what have you. And I was like, that's really sad. But what in your book, you talked about how, I don't think it was your organization, but someone else appealed to the federal government over the Freedom of Information Act asking for all research on like depressive medications and it found out like originally it was like wait every single study says these medications work but then you and everyone were like well hmm are they just not publishing the unfavorable findings and then that's what happened that it turned out these medicines were not effective yeah i mean that's yeah i mean that's just a absolute travesty i mean so who publishes the studies that show that drugs are safe and effective the drug companies themselves i mean it's patently absurd that we would let you know you know stockholder run companies you know make their own you know proclamations about their own products um and so yeah it turns out that they were just quietly shelving any studies that showed that the negative effects or neutral effects and so they just published the ones with positive findings and you put them all together it shows that for the vast majority of people with depression um uh, 90% plus these 
um, these drugs have absolutely no benefit and, in fact, may actually uh, be harmful. And so, I mean, this is, you know, but, I mean, the, again, the good news is there are actually dietary and lifestyle changes we can make to actually improve not only physical health but mental health as well. Exercise can boost our mood as well as eliminating arachidonic acid, this long-chain inflammatory omega-6 fatty acid found in animal products, particularly chicken and eggs. But by removing chicken, other meat, and eggs from one's diet, a study at the University of Arizona, which I highlight in the book, talks about how you can get a significant improvement in mood within just two weeks. Um, and we think it's because we're kind of basically clearing the brain of uh, inflammation, so-called uh, neuroinflammation caused, we think, by, this, uh, by these inflammatory fatty acids and animal products. And so, I mean, that's, that's what we should be telling people. And look, and if you're boosting your mood by exercise, think of all the other positive effects you're having on your health as well. And that's one of, I mean, it's just an anecdotal experience, but that was my experience. I was suffering from depression and I was having really bad anxiety all of the time. Mm -hmm. And I tried everything. I'd, I'd been to a therapist, you know, my doctor wanted to put me on medication, but I was completely resistant. And finally, mm -hmm. some friend was like, have you tried going to yoga? And I was like, oh my God, are you from California or what? <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I was desperate to try anything. And sure enough, within a week, maybe two weeks, it, my depression lifted and I, I haven't really had an episode since. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. And it's just, I, I'm just kind of like laying around and stretching. It's not even that, you know, it's not like I'm out like lifting heavy weights. I'm just kind of laying there, moving my body, stretching. Amen. And that's what it, it's what it took. Right. And worse comes to worse and it wasn't effective. Like what's the what was the right. downside of giving it a try? Right. I, I became that's a little nice bit more flexible. Like that purchase. was the downside. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. But anyway, as um I mentioned earlier, everyone's been dying to have you on and I'm so so flattered and excited that you came on the podcast. But we had lots of questions from listeners who just were dying to read you. They all loved you. All of them started off by saying, I love Dr. Gregor. And then I got the question. So <laughs> I was like, I'm I'm feeling like the rock star is in the house right now. But <laughs> the biggest one, and this was actually like nine different people asked this, is um, it has to do with total cholesterol and why would it increase or not go down on a plant-based diet? And mm. some of the specifics is one person asked is, um, she said, is it true that a woman's total cholesterol will naturally increase in menopause? Um, because the hormone estrogen is necessary in the body to regulate blood lipid levels. And this explanation was provided to her on a McDougal forum. And another one added that she's been um, whole food, plant-based oil for almost a year, has lost 90 pounds. So that's incredible. And she's increased her exercise, but um, her cholesterol is still high and it's kind of runs in her family that way. And so she's wondering, should she take statins because her total cholesterol is not improving on a plant-based diet and her triglycerides have gone Yes, with menopause, there's a natural increase in LDL bad cholesterol. So, but it shouldn't, if you're eating healthy enough, uh, go up uh, um, higher than where we're looking for with total cholesterol of 150, which is the kind of uh, heart attack proof level. My question that I would have for her is whether her weight has stabilized. Basically, you know, we know this a lot from like the fasting literature. So, if people all of a sudden go on a water only fast, mm -hmm. right? And so they're literally eating nothing. They, um, the, your cholesterol can shoot up through the roof. 
Um, so you don't even you don't even test it because I mean you know what's going to happen. It's kind of a and you say, well, wait a second, <laughs> they're not eating any meat, dairy, eggs, dairy. You know what's going on? Well, guess what? If they have built up, I mean, so they basically they're melting away their fat and dumping all that fat and cholesterol into their system, right? So the oh. cholesterol is 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 sucked up in the you know is is part of the fatty tissue, and so when you're burning off that fatty tissue, all the uh, pollutants, the dioxins, there's all all sorts of this toxic stew of stuff that's that's flooding into your system um, because you're burning away all that fatty tissue. And so the fat in your blood can go up, the, um, the, the, the cholesterol can go up. But then once you stabilize, so, so people that go on, uh, so it sounds like this person had tremendous success um, with weight loss, 90 pounds. Mm-hmm. And so during that period of actual weight loss, the, I mean, she's just, you know, churning all this fat into her system. Now, once she is then stable, so I don't know if she's still losing or not, but once she's stable, I would give it six months. So stable weight, six months, and indeed her cholesterol should reflect her diet, which should be absolutely gorgeous. And triglycerides is more of an issue with you know, processed foods, uh, refined sugar starches. And so I'd, I'd uh, want to make sure that even though she's not doing any oil, which is great, there's all sorts of processed plant foods, um, non-fatty plant foods like, uh, you know, right, like the refined flour products and things. And so um, even if, so if she went over to completely whole grains and still had a problem with triglycerides, then I would actually move to intact Whole grains, so not just whole grains. So uh, you know, whole wheat flour—that's a whole grain product, but, but you know, it's, it's ground processed. up. It's so right, so it's ground up so small. It's actually absorbed very rapidly into our system, even though it's whole grain, which is wonderful. Um, but so then, actually moving to intact grains, so eating things like you know oatmeal, you know things where you can actually see kind of a whole, you know, so like steel cut oatmeal. You can eat wheat berries. You can eat. There's all sorts of you know wonderful grains you can eat whole. And uh, so cutting out flour products would be the next step they uh, still suffered from high triglycerides. And that actually happened to my dad. My father had been, well, he never had high triglycerides. Even when he had his heart attack, his triglycerides had always been actually kind of low. So it was a surprise. But after he was plant-based for three years, his triglycerides shot through the roof. They were in the 400s. And I remember being like, Dad, what's going on? And he said, well, you know, I recently started having a glass of wine every now and then. I'm like, well, let's Mm. stop with the wine. But he stopped with the wine. We retested it like, I think, three weeks. And then again, at three months. And the triglycerides were still really high. It ended up turning out for my father to get his triglycerides to come down. He had to go to the whole grains. We tried with the whole wheat, everything, which he was Mm -hmm. already pretty Mm -hmm. much doing. He was pretty much only eating whole wheat except maybe at like, you know, out traveling or something. But Uh we had to bring him to the whole grains. He only eats like rice or barley, like the actual, it looks like a grain. Um, and he also had to like really be careful with sugar to make sure it wasn't sneaking into like pasta sauce. And then his triglycerides um, came down beautifully and he was yeah, kind of frustrated cause he's like, well, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so what's actually happening? Um, I sort of have a video on that. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the name of the video is. I think, uh, if sugar's bad, what about fruit? I think that's the video. Yeah, title. my dad did have to be careful with his fruit, but he was eating, you know, a lot of fruit. Now he has just a couple of whole fruits per day. Well, so what I yeah, so what I show in that video is that um, when you eat, you know, refined carbs like you know, drink a soda or something, 
um, uh, the uh, your the blood sugar levels in your system rise so rapidly. Your body, so that's just not you know you're not used to that kind of rapid rise because you know we've evolved for millions of years with never having access to that kind of stuff except maybe a little honey once in a while, and then there were bees protecting it. And so you get this dramatic spike in blood sugar. Your body freaks out and actually overshoots, releasing too much insulin um, to, uh, to, to lower your blood sugars. And then that overshoot, your blood sugars actually dip too low. So they plunge back down and actually go down below. You become hypoglycemic. So you actually end up with less sugar in your blood than you had before you started eating. So this is – you were fasting and then you had some, you know, uh, you know uh, maple syrup-coated, uh, you know, refined, you know, pang- uh, white flour pancakes or something. Um, so your blood sugars, you know, start out 80 or something, spike way up. You release so much insulin, they actually go down 70, 60. So they actually end up with less sugar in your blood than when you were fasting before you even ate breakfast and your body freaks out, thinks you're in like some famine situation or something because your blood sugars are so low and actually shoots fat into the system. Uh, just to keep your brain alive, thinking, oh my God, we're going to die here, and mm-hmm. actually floods the system with fat, which is triglycerides, these fatty acids into the system to try to keep things going. And so um, anytime we have that, that dip below fasting, um, we can get that shoot of triglycerides. And so it's all about trying to level out um, those sugars going into our blood, and we can do that by eating whole food. So, for example, if you eat, um, you know, uh, fruit, whole fruit, um, uh, you don't get that. Uh, you you don't get that rapid rise because the uh, the fiber helps slow the absorption of sugars into your system, and so you don't get the excess insulin release, and so you don't get the hypoglycemic episodes. So you don't get that uh, those extra that extra fat into your blood, and so that's why it's important to, uh, to uh, you know, eat whole food plant-based. We want people to stick, stay away from processed foods. And for, some, for most people, that just means, you know, uh, you know uh, getting out of, you know, get, stopping eating, you know, white flour, you know, white pasta, white bagels, that kind of thing. But for some people, it means really unprocessed, and that means moving to intact greens. Right. That makes sense, too. And I really like the point you made, too. I never considered it, that when you're losing weight, because all this fat is literally coming off you, which is your goal, that it would cause your numbers to kind of be all over the place and not really reflective of how well you're eating because it's just flooding the system, as you said. You really got to wait till you stabilize out. That is a very good point. Yeah, a lot of people ask me about that. I'm glad I'm glad that came up. All right, so the next question was that Dr. Esselstyn and Dr. McDougall advocate no plant fats, but you advocate fats for brain function. So sort of like what what did, what do you do and what is the minimum you need to be healthy if you are concerned about too much fats because you have a heart condition? We're all on the same page about no oils, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Esselstyn, the Esselstyn, I mean, so even the most kind of, or rapidly anti-fat folks like, you know, Ornishelston McDougall, all recommend foods like uh, ground flax seeds, walnuts. We're talking whole food sources of fat. These are health-promoting. They, they're, they're actually essential fatty acids that we actually need to get into our diet every day. That's why I recommend one of my daily dozen recommendations of food I encourage people to eat every day. It's a tablespoon of ground flax seeds. That'll give you about 2.2 grams of ALA, alpha-linolenic acid, which is this uh, omega-3 fatty acid that we need to uh, get into our diet somehow. But I I think uh, we agree also on that uh, point as well. I think that um, uh, the only disagreement there would be 
Um, I also encourage people to eat, uh, to eat as many basically whole food sources of fat as they want. I'm not, in, I'm not concerned about the macronutrient um, kind of ratio of one's diet. What I'm interested in is whole versus not whole plant foods. So they can eat uh, avocados and nuts and seeds and, you know, um, but uh, they just uh, want them to be eating whole foods, not uh, oils or sugars, the respective um, kind of uh, processed uh, products of the fat and carbohydrate kingdom. So as long as it's a whole thing, and that doesn't matter if you have heart disease or any other condition, just to make sure it's whole. Yeah, so recently, uh, Furman, uh, Dr. Furman published a small case series showing a very similar kind of uh, dramatic heart disease reversal using a, uh, a relatively high-fat whole food plant-based diet. So he was including avocados and nuts and things. Oh, wow. And got the same dramatic reversal. Really? That's, I'll have to look for this. And so that speaks to, oh, okay, it's not really the low-fat thing. It's we're it's eliminating sources of uh, you know, saturated fat. Um, my cholesterol and uh, and this refined junk, um, and so yeah, whole food, plant based, really seems to be the um, the important thing when it comes to disease reversal. Whether we're talking about heart disease, certain early stage cancers, uh, hypertension, uh, type two diabetes, that kind of thing. Okay, that I, that's really fascinating, and it could be helpful because a lot of people really struggle. I know that was my dad. He was like, "Well, it's, I'm already switching from omnivore to plant based, and now I can't have like nuts, and I can't have seeds, and I can't have avocado." And I was just like, "Oh, I'm sorry, Dad." Um, so that's good to know. The other thing, this was another really popular question, and something I get a lot of emails about too, is people who have um, what their doctor is saying as too low blood pressure. And then there's two things I wanted to ask you about that because there was something you said in your book that I really loved where you're like um, everything's being compared to quote normal but the normal American has you know all of these health issues so do we really want to strive for what is normal but mostly um, too th- this whole blood pressure is there such a thing as too low because I looked up kind of the standard the medical standards in other countries and their normal was lower than our normal so I don't even know what too low would be yeah, no, so that's the, the important thing is that, look, having a normal cholesterol or blood pressure in a society where it's normal to die of a heart attack, stroke, you know, these are the leading killers, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing. We don't want normal, we want an ideal. What's the ideal blood pressure? Meaning, what's the blood pressure for which there's no benefit from reducing it further? And that uh, blood pressure is 110 over 70. And so that's what everyone, so it's just like, you know, we need to get our cholesterol under 150, we need to get our blood pressure down to 110 over 70. Um, now, um, uh, there's no additional benefit to go below that. Um, but you can't, but, but it's fine to go below that as long as you're not symptomatic. And so typically, uh, I mean, they, one wouldn't get symptoms to you're under about 90 over 60. Um, at which point people might experience dizziness, lightheadedness, that kind of thing, which, um, needs to be, um, uh, which needs to absolutely be addressed. Um, and then there's all sorts of reasons uh, people can be hypotensive, meaning too low blood pressure. It can be a hormonal issue. It can be a thyroid or adrenal gland issue. It can be a neurological issue. It can be a cardiac issue, problem with the heart. I mean, all sorts of things. So the really, um, if people are experiencing those symptoms, so basically there's no, it, having, having a low number on the blood pressure 
doesn't matter as long as you're asymptomatic. As long as you don't have symptoms, lower the better, that's fine. But if you do have symptoms, something's, something's going on, which is bad, and you need to go find out. And, and as always, treat the cause, figure out what's going on, and treat the cause, you know, rather than having people, having your doctor give you uh, drugs to artificially raise your blood pressure or give you salts artificially to artificially raise your blood pressure. You've got to find out what the cause is, treat the cause, and then your blood pressure should be normal. And by normal, I mean ideal 110 over 70. That was my next question because the one of the people who left the comment said that her cardiologist was encouraging that they take salt, which I know you advise against, but uh, but that doesn't seem to be figuring out the cause what's making her have this dizziness of the low blood pressure. Well, I mean, her cause isn't salt deprivation. You know, I mean, think about it. We evolved for millions of years without KFC, without a salt shaker, without Cheetos, without. I mean, uh, I mean, we were we uh, our bodies are adapted to take in, you know, uh, just get all the salt we need from just, you know, the tiny amounts of sodium found in regular whole plant foods. Yeah, there must be something going on. And the problem with just, well, let's just treat it with salt, just like the problem with treating high blood pressures, let's just treat it with medications and drop it down, is you're not treating the underlying cause, which for hypertension is usually this inflamed, clogged, crippled arteries. And for hypertension, it can be a whole wide range of things. And the reason you don't want to take salt is because salt does more than just raise your blood pressure, which for this person wouldn't be a problem. Um, because they still be in the ideal range, but does all sorts of bad things beyond that in terms of stiffening arteries um, and have other negative effects within the body. So we don't want to be taking excess. Uh, now, unless, look, there's there's these rare salt-wasting kidney diseases where you really don't have enough salt in your blood and you've got to take salt. I mean, there's there's rare conditions in which you need to. So I'm not saying don't listen to your doctor. I'm saying um, uh, you know, I would encourage them to talk to their cardiologist and say, well, wait a second, why do I have it so low? Is there anything we can do to actually treat the cause? Yeah, I like that. Another person, um, another meal plan user commented to the comment saying that they also had, you know, low blood pressure, but they found by making sure that they were hydrated, that helped with dizziness because dizziness can often be caused by low blood volume. And so the hydration increased the volume. Would you agree with that? Oh, well, I mean, that's why taking salt makes your blood pressure go up. One of the reasons you're taking salt, blood pressure goes up because you retain water. Um, your body uh, tries to hold on to water to dilute the salt, and so, um, uh, and, and, and so it raises your blood volume. An easier way to blood volume is just drink some water. And so some people, for example, have what's called orthostatic hypotension, meaning that, uh, that they, when they wake up in the morning or when they get up from a lying down to a sitting or standing position, um, they feel dizzy or lightheaded for a moment. And uh, probably the leading cause of that is just, uh, you know, lack of hydration. They've been sleeping all night. They haven't been drinking. Um, and so having, you know, a glass of water by the bed and, you know, chugging it down before getting up can, uh, can help with that. That's funny. That's actually something I do is I have two glasses of water and I drink one before bed and one before I get up in the morning. And part of it was just one of the ways I can make sure I'm getting enough water and staying hydrated. But now that you mention it, I don't ever get lightheaded when I stand up too quickly anymore. Tell you, your body's telling you all the good stuff to do. You're way ahead. You see, you don't even you don't need to go med school. You got it all in there. It's your intuition is driving good things. Great. You no, know, I spent so much money going to law school. I think I'm gonna skip the additional debt of med school. All right. All right. Can I can I trade one degree in for another? No. Um, <laughs> maybe we could trade for an afternoon. Yeah, yeah. You give me free legal advice. I give you free medical advice. There we go. Win. So another question was, what is your current it food? And this user said that she says, my husband and I now eat one Brazil nut 
a week because of his research. So what is his current it food that we should it be food. eating more of? Or is the new it food something you don't eat? Um, uh, well, you know, so my whole, the whole second half of the book is surrounds this, uh, you know, centered around my kind of recommendations, uh, my daily dozen recommendations for all the foods I encourage people to fit into their daily diet. So, uh, you know, it's all the stuff I talk about in the book, making sure you get beans and berries and greens and, uh, cruciferous vegetables, a quarter teaspoon of turmeric and, you know, on down, you know, the best beverages, how much exercise, all that kind of stuff. Um, in terms of just kind of recent changes in my own diet, um, uh, I, uh, stopped uh, putting green leaves from uh, China in my smoothies. Um, uh, for those who follow the website, you know that a recent study found that the lead levels in uh, tea leaves from China, um, because they've only recently got rid of leaded gas, is uh, so high as to be concerning. The lead actually doesn't leave the leaves when you put it in hot water. And so you can make tea as long as you throw away the tea bag. Um, but what I, was, what I was encouraging people to do is like, hey, why throw away all those leaves? That's like boiling collard greens, then throwing out the collards and drinking the water. That doesn't make any sense. Why don't you take your green tea leaves, throw them into a smoothie or drink matcha tea, the powdered green tea, so you actually drink the leaves and not just throw them away, um, which is a great idea, but not if they're from China. So I made this video saying, sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> Make sure you're getting uh, your leaves, you're getting Japanese green tea if you're going to put it in your smoothies, which is still a good idea. Um, but so that's uh, kind of one. Th so now I just switched the, the country of origin for my green tea. And uh, I also started adding uh, vinegar to my foods. And so now I'm I'm on board with the uh, with the Esselstyns and have all sorts of exotic, crazy vinegars. <laughs> oh, me too. Um, I spend so much with. money on vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, I just had no idea. It's like a whole world to me. When I think vinegar, I think that nasty distilled oh, white the distilled stuff. Oh, distilled white vinegar. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, to like remove, you know, stains from stuff. It was like a, it was like a cleaning solution. That's what I used to and clean. Little did I know, right? And it's helpful. And so I have a whole series of videos talking about the benefits of acetate, the acetic acid that that makes makes up vinegar. Um, so that's something I do. And um, uh, another thing is I stopped um, toasting uh, my nuts. So, uh, you know, I talk in the book of how I love, you know, fresh toasting sesame seeds or, you know, walnuts or something because it smells so nice and tastes so good. But the problem is, is that we now know that, um, I mean, we've long known that high fat protein foods, um, when uh, subjected to high dry temperatures, produce uh, these things called uh, glycotoxins or advanced uh, glycation end products, AGEs, bad for you. So, and so it's basically saying, well, don't eat meat, don't eat meat. So if you're going to eat meat, you eat boiled or steamed meat. You never eat, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, broiled or pan fried or, you know, barbecued or grilled meat. But it turns out, which really shouldn't surprise us, when you take nuts, which are relatively high fat, high protein, and you expose them to those same temperatures, you create those same compounds. Um, and so, uh, so that's uh, that's something I've stopped doing. Um, and uh, so, uh, so uh, that's the problem with the book, though, is you know, with the website, yeah, I can just change the video. Something happens, I'll be like, oh, okay, take that video down, put a new mm -hmm. one up. But, uh, you know, the book is out, and uh, I have to wait till the next edition to make those changes. 
But that's one thing I really admire and love about you is that you aren't afraid to change your opinion or your suggestion or anything based on new science that you read. Like you'll backtrack and say, hey, I realize this, this is wrong, change it. I mean, of course, it stinks with books because it's not like the internet where you can just change it immediately. But I love that you're constantly learning and not afraid to change your position based on what you learn. Oh, I mean, there's so much. I mean, it's such a dynamic field that anyone who's saying the same thing about nutrition, you know, that they said 10 years ago really hasn't been staying on top of it. I mean, it's just the only reason I eat the way I eat is because that's the best available balance of evidence suggests that's the best way to eat. But Mm -hmm. as soon as the evidence changes, you know, that's that's why I'm doing it. So, uh, you know. It's all about just, uh, you know, staying on top of the literature, which is what the website is uh, all about. It's so funny because that's I've said that about you is um, someone was, you know, trying to come at me about like vegan this or vegan that. I'm like, listen, I don't identify as a vegan. I mean, I just so happen to eat a diet that is vegan. And I gave them your website and they're like, well, that's a vegan website. I want real science. I'm like, no, 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 ah. no, 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 he, no, no, no. <laughs> I was like, Dr. Greger only cares about the science and research. If it was to change tomorrow, he'd change along with it. He only cares about the science and research. It just so happens that it supports plans right but, i mean that's a, right that's like i mean that's like saying yeah i went to that american lung association all they are just bashing tobacco they're obviously just anti-smoking groups <laughs> not sticking with the science they're just everything they do bad cigarettes are bad 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 for you and it's like you know did it ever occur to you that that's actually what the science says right and that they're actually just putting forth you know yeah but no, I so was so I loved hearing you say that. I'm like, I've said that about him. He just said it about himself. <laughs> oh my. Okay, so two more questions. So one is, why do you say white potatoes are a red light food? Which again is going back to that we talked a little bit about it earlier. The stoplights, which is a pause when they can't contain so many vitamins and nutrients. I don't. I don't call them a red light food. I didn't find that either. But this was a question. Oh, well, that's just not true. It's a green light food. It's a whole plant food. By definition, whole plant foods are green light foods. Okay, good. I was looking in the book all morning, and then I was like, maybe it was in just one of his videos, because I haven't seen all of them. I've seen a lot, but not all of them. And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. No, 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 no. Okay, no, good. So I mean, everybody, right. potatoes no, I don't, are yeah, good. I mean, I, mean, I, I mean, I talk about in the book that sweet potatoes are better, and so I encourage people. So if you're going to have a potato, eat sweet potato. But it's the same reason I say, you know, don't eat white onions, eat red onions, because you get all the onion, plus it's a better color, it's just more nutrients. I mean, so sweet potatoes are healthier, but it doesn't mean that, you know, white potatoes aren't healthy. It's just like you just try to choose the healthiest thing. And so purple potatoes are healthier. You know, purple-fleshed white potatoes are better than white potatoes. But, you know, I mean, it's all about the, the spectrum. It's like... Um, uh, you know, coffee, for example, uh, the reason I tell people not to drink coffee is not because it's not good for you, but because green tea is better for you. And so every cup of coffee is a lost opportunity to drink a cup of green tea. But That's you know, true. that doesn't mean there isn't research showing that coffee has this variety of benefits, although there's a variety of downsides too. But so, yeah. But look, anything you can do with a white potato, you can do with a sweet potato. It's healthier. But um, as long as you're not uh, putting sour cream on it, uh, I'm good with it. And that's one thing I'm always, I always say I'm the unofficial potato spokesperson because I feel like potato has such a bad reputation. All potatoes have such a bad reputation, but it's not the potato. The potato just kept some really unfortunate company that got it a bad reputation, but it's the friends, not the potato. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's low on the, on the, uh, I mean, on the list of, 
like health promote. It's like it's kind of like the bananas of the vegetable kingdom, like bananas of the fruit kingdom. So like berries are healthier than bananas. So if you're gonna if, if you have them both, and you're gonna put something on your oatmeal, it's better to put berries than bananas. And so similarly, it's better to eat broccoli than than potatoes, just because there's more nutrition. But you know uh, that doesn't mean that. Uh, you know, people have to uh, take out a crucifix if someone whips out a white potato in front of them. Right. <laughs> Which actually just reminds me, before I forget, you have an app and it's a free app and it actually has your daily dozen of all the foods you're supposed to eat and how much of them. And you can keep track to make sure you are eating. And if you've been hearing us talk about his, you know, daily dozen, this app will tell you what they are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah, it's called Dr. Gregor's Daily Dozen. It's an Android, iPhone um, they're both free. The Android one is actually better because you can like chart your progress and actually give you graphs and stuff. Um, we're still uh, hoping to get, it's all volunteer made. And so we're just trying to find some iPhone uh, volunteers to improve that one too. But uh, uh, yeah, they're both free and uh, have lots of uh, good info. Yeah, it's a great app and it really does kind of help you make sure you're you know, kind of getting what you need. But I think this also kind of comes back to what we were saying in the very beginning, that it is all about what I say as progress, not perfection, or as you say, the green light. You just have to do the best with the situation you're in. And I know when you and I were in Toronto together, we were really lucky to be at a conference that promotes a plant-based diet. So you and I were, it was like the only time when we're traveling for work that we get to eat the way we would want to, the way we would at home. But a lot of times we're speaking in places where that's just not realistic, but I'm not going to beat myself up for eating steamed vegetables and white rice. If that's, it's that or a deep fried spring roll, obviously this is a better choice for me, even though at home I would have preferred to have brown rice. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. I mean, I don't know. People get so religious about food, it's like this zealotry. And it's just like, you know, look, I mean, if you're, if I mean, people, you're bungee jumping, you're driving around in cars. You're like, I mean, people are doing risky things all the time. And it's all just about, look, you wear your seatbelt, you do things in your diet and the rest of your life that just reduce your risk. It doesn't guarantee you're not going to die in a car crash or something, but we put on a seatbelt because it lowers our risk. And the same thing with things in our diet, but it's all a a continuum and it's all a spectrum and it's all about just, you know, trying to do better and, uh, you know, protecting our family's health. All right. And our last question. Um, and this one's actually kind of a two-pronged one. And is the first one, well, they both have to deal with lady issues. And the first one is some women, while they're on a plant-based diet, you know, their yeah. period might not be regular. And they want, and a lot of women, you know, they worry about this, especially if they're trying to get pregnant. Is there something that they should do? Do they need to eat more fats? Or is it just one of these symptoms that as your body's getting healthier, you're losing weight, things kind of get a little wacky? Oh, you should be very concerned. No, so um, amenorrhea um, is... Uh, bad and it's uh, I mean the primary cause is a lack of uh, sufficient body fat so once your body fat um, stores drop below a critical level when people get underweight um, uh, they're um, they're basically their body a very correct smart you know says oh my god we're in a famine situation there's no way I'm bringing kids into this world let's wait until my fat stores get back up to a normal level and then okay then I'll bring children into the world because it's a healthier world there's harvest there's food around um, but there's no point in me spending nine months in pregnancy if there's, if I'm in a famine and the kid's just mm -hmm. going to die anyway. So, I mean, so that's a body's very natural reaction, try to suppress. And the same thing happens actually with men. So, um, like, uh, male athletes, endurance runners, people that, um, overtrain, it's called the overtraining syndrome. They actually get a drop in testosterone levels. 
Um, oh, I didn't know that re- happened. To yeah, because they get so because they get uh, there's just so much stress that their their body their body says, "Oh my God, all right. Well, the last thing we got to worry about is reproduction here. Let's just survive." Right. Um, and uh, so, very kind of similar reaction. So, the most important thing is to bring up one's uh, um, uh, body fat until one's uh, um, uh, uh, you know hormones. Uh, um, come back. And so that's just, you know, may mean, you know, eating more frequent meals, you know, if you, uh, particularly if you're, you know, exercising a lot, burning off lots of calories, it may mean more calorically dense food. So like, you know, nut butters and smoothies and dried fruit, things like that, um, to pack on the calories and just, um, um, bring up uh, your body fat percentage. But the reason it's so critical is because, um, the lack of estrogens can uh, affect your bones. So you don't have enough estrogen to support um, uh, strong bones. You can get, uh, you know, uh, we see these young female athletes, and not necessarily vegetarian, but just, um, you know, uh, um, very, very lean uh, female athletes losing their period and then getting into severe osteoporosis um, uh, issues very early on in life. And so, um, so that's critical. In fact, in terms of menstrual regularity, um, plant-based diets are fantastic. Actually, there's less anovulatory cycles when you move to a plant-based diet. So it actually improves your menstrual function and fertility, um, less uh, uh, menstrual pain. There's all sorts of benefits in terms of hormonal regulation, um, you know, lower breast cancer risk, all those things, eating a healthy diet. Um, but, um, uh, you know, uh, for most people, the, the, the caloric caloric diluteness of foods, the fact that there's a tremendous volume to very few calories, that's good for most people in the United States um, uh, because, you know, um, many people are trying to lose weight. But for, you know, little kids who have tiny little stomachs mm-hmm. um, uh, and just can't fit in a whole bunch of food or people who are burning huge amounts of calories, um, they need to eat a lot or they need to be specifically pick out calorically dense foods, um, healthy uh, calorically dense foods um, to, uh, yeah, you know, to bring their uh, body fat levels up. So even if you don't care about having kids or something, you still need to have um, a normal cycle um, for your bone health. That's good. Yeah, I didn't realize it happened to men too. That's really fascinating. I mean, it makes complete sense, but I guess women, it's it's a very obvious thing they can see or not see like physically happening, but men don't necessarily know what their sperm count is at any given moment or their testosterone level. Indeed. And on, I guess on that wavelength, the same sort of, I guess, opposite is if you're pregnant and you're having a lot of sort of nausea or vomiting, is there anything that can be done there with like diet? Oh, uh, like severe morning sickness kind of thing? Yeah, she specifically talked about CVS, which I think is cyclic vomiting syndrome. Oh, terrible. Yeah, so... um. I actually just uh, did a last month or so. I think I did a, a um, uh, video on natural treatments for morning sickness. Basically, uh, nausea and vomiting common during pregnancy, affecting uh, seventy to eighty-five percent of women worldwide. But actually, not in all uh, countries. There's uh, population groups that eat more plant-based have little or no nausea during pregnancy. For example, on a nationwide basis, uh, you look to India, for example, the highest, about 40% of the population is a no-egg vegetarian. The rates are only down about 35%. Though, um, uh, you know, sometimes symptoms can be so severe, they can be life-threatening, something called uh, hyperemesis uh, gravidarum. About uh, 50,000 pregnant women are hospitalized every year. And uh, so uh, the most important things we can do are uh, reducing our saturated fat um, intake, which um, cut the odds about fivefold by cutting out one kind of daily cheeseburger's worth of saturated fat. 
can basically uh, drop one's odds of this condition by about fivefold. But of course, if you're already eating healthy, what can we do? Uh, ginger. Uh, ginger is uh, probably the most safe and effective treatment. The recommended dose is a gram of powdered ginger a day. That's about a half a teaspoon. And huh. That's equivalent to about a, a full teaspoon of grated fresh ginger, if you want to go that route, or four cups of ginger tea. So either way. So half a teaspoon dry, uh, full teaspoon grated fresh, or four tups, cups of ginger tea. So that's the daily recommended dose. You don't want to go over. The maximum dose is four grams, though. So no more than like two teaspoons of powdered ginger a day. And then I also talk about uh, cannabis um, uh, use uh, and uh, and uh, its uh, potential risks and benefits uh, there in that video. Very fascinating. Which here in California, we have, you know, medical choices there. And um, it definitely, I know it's helped a lot of people I know that have like other kind of stomach issues, not uh, pregnancy related, but other kinds of like nausea or stomach issues. It seems like ginger seems to also kind of be the universal treatment for nausea because I get really easily sick on like boats and trains and stuff. And people are always like suggesting ginger chews or ginger this from my nausea. And have you tried it? It works. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I, you know, I get travel sick too. I get the same thing. Like, I can't read in a car, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's even like if I like look down for directions too long, I'm like, whoa, oh, ah, ah, yeah, yeah, ginger, ginger's definitely the way to go. And look, we both travel so much. Mm-hmm. I know I, you know, I had a, some bumpy flight or something. I'm always, uh, I premedicate with ginger <laughs> um, before I uh, ever go on a plane. Yeah, so that's if the you secret. see me on a plane and I have ginger breath, I apologize. Yeah, no, that's that I was going to say when you were like, does it work? And I said, yes. And I wanted to say, as long as I premedicate, once I'm sick, game over. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, you got to do it beforehand. Uh, Well, it has been so wonderful having you on the podcast today, Dr. Gregor. Thank you. I know you're so busy and I'm so glad we were able to finally steal you away for a little bit. Oh, well, this was super duper fun. Hope to come back. Keep up the wonderful work. We're actually going to put a big plug in for uh, um, uh, your awesome meal plans on the site, on our uh, uh, social media this month. Thank Um, you. And we're totally psyched about that. And uh, so, yeah, anything we can do to send folks your way, um, it's great what you're doing. And um, let's together make people healthier. Yeah. Yes, yes, this is why I love you so much. And hopefully I will see you again in person soon. If not, maybe we'll be together again on the podcast. Sounds like a plan. Well, you have a great night. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you want to learn more about the meal plans that Dr. Greger just so kindly mentioned, please visit GetMealPlans.com. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon. With me was Dr. Greger. Please go to his website, NutritionFacts.org. Sign up for his newsletter. You can get videos daily, weekly, monthly, however you want them. And, of course, go immediately to the bookstore or Amazon and buy How Not to Die, which I actually did the audiobook, which you read, and that was the oh. best. Yeah. Oh, my God, my poor vocal cords. I read read, um, The Happier for a Guide to Plant-Based Living. I recorded it too. And I, yeah, I, my vocal cords too. I hear you. So, and your book is so much longer and more detailed. So I hats off again, but yes, check it out. He reads it. So his voice is so fun and it's just (laughs) get all that stuff. But anyway, have a great knock, Dr. Greger. Thanks everyone for listening.
A big thanks again to Dr. Greger for coming on the podcast today and answering all of your burning questions. And just a reminder that we are having a huge sale on Wednesday, September 7th, which is the Wednesday after Labor Day. It's one of our annual membership sales. They only come a few times a year. The savings are massive. The community is amazing. There's a whole lot more perks way beyond this podcast and even monthly membership. So if you've been thinking about joining or upgrading, that is definitely the day. Pop on over to getmealplans.com to download your free seven-day meal plan, and that will also get you on our newsletter to make sure you don't miss this epic sale. And with that, thanks for listening to season two of the Meal Mentor Co-Pilot series. We will be back kicking in 2017. If you've enjoyed this year, please leave a review on iTunes, and we will be back together soon.